Welcome to the Infertility Podcast. I'm Candice. And I'm Daniel. Grab a biscuit because we've got the tea on all things infertility. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. This helps others find our podcast and get even more information about coping with infertility. Also, if you'd like to stay up to date with our story, you can follow me on Instagram at Operation Baby Bump. Have a great topic for our podcast? Email us at thevanwades at gmail.com. Hey guys, welcome to episode five. Episode five. Let's talk about last week's episode. I wasn't on that episode, and we have had nothing but complaints from fans (laughs) saying, where was Daniel? I only listen for his ASMR. Actually, I had a lot of people saying that they really liked the mini episode. So this is how you get rid of me. Yeah. Well, you know, you've been busy with schoolwork and stuff. And guys, every time it's time to record, he's like... That's literally what he sounds like. So, how close? It's more like this. I was just sparing myself from having to listen to him. It was a quick episode. Yeah. It was a good episode. It was a short one just because I was really busy and I didn't really have a whole lot of time to prepare a really long episode. And so, and also, I. I like the mini episode because I listen to a lot of podcasts and sometimes I'll open up a episode and it'll be like an hour and 20 minutes and I'm like, Ugh. dude, I get excited when my podcasts are that long. Yeah. But when you're like just driving to work, yeah, I guess. And you know that once you get to work, you're going to have to turn it off. I mean, a lot of people listen to podcasts while they're at work. I can't because I don't, I'm not able to actually listen yeah. and type at the same time. Oh, for real? Yeah, I can't do that. I, I have can, to I listen I can listen, but I, yeah. I don't, like I'll listen to music, but I you don't can't process what I'm hearing. Yeah. 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 So that's the reason. And I am going to do kind of a cool reading. I have this book. It's called A Book That Takes Its Time. And I bought this when we were going through IVF. And I was flipping through it the other night. And it's really about mindfulness and taking your time and slowing down. And I found a really cool reading. Well, I guess it was a writing. About waiting And I thought it would be really good to share with you guys. So I'll probably um, put that out in a couple weeks as an episode, maybe a bonus episode. I'm not really sure. It's a really high quality book as well. Yeah, it is really, really cool. It's like a hardcover. Yeah. yeah. It's got all sorts of things in there, but I'll, I'll talk more about the book and stuff like that. All right, so today I wanted to start a little two-part episode on embryo transfers. I see a lot of um, questions come across Instagram about what people should be doing during the lead-up to transfers, 
what should they be doing afterwards and I think it like a lot of these things are just really common knowledge and also kind of old wives tales but I wanted to talk about the embryo transfers this week and kind of the prep and then next week in the second part of this episode we are going to talk about frozen versus fresh like which is better I have a lot of questions about that and also PGS and PGD testing for the embryos PGD PGD is a specific type of test so PGS is looking for chromosomal abnormalities PGD is looking for something specific that's what we'll be doing next week but let's get into embryo transfers There's just so much to know, and you should know your options when you're approaching a transfer. It goes without saying that these M-babies are really precious, and we work really hard to get them. We put our bodies through a lot to get them, and it's not silly that we want to do everything right when it comes to an embryo transfer and preparing for that event. When it comes to transfer prep, I will be talking about the things that pretty much everyone does in the lead up to the transfer, but I'm going to talk about whether or not you're actually ready to have a transfer as well. I know that's a strange thing to say, but... So you're talking about the amount of times where we're like, okay, transfer's coming up, and then the lining... I just mean that I have felt so many times like this kind of scary feeling in the back of my head like, wait a minute, okay, we've had two failed transfers and we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Is this right? Should we be doing more testing? Should we change the protocol? We have one embryo left. I don't know if we're ready for this. And that's just what I mean by being ready. Your clinic is going to do some preliminary testing, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and that's important, but most clinics will just roll on through. They'll go through the egg retrieval, and then they'll gear up for a transfer soon after, unless there's something glaringly obvious that's wrong that they need to address or something. The reason they do this is because it's most likely not out of carelessness for the patient it's just that it works for them most of the time if it ain't broke don't fix it right and so a lot of these IVF clinics are super overburdened with patients I know that it was the case for our clinic even though we had been there for so long it still felt like we were a number oh, 100%. a lot of the times um they didn't remember they didn't read our anything chart about us. when yeah. we would go in despite me being there i'm guys i'm not i'm not kidding you when i say i was there every single week multiple times a week yeah and back to back to back um we I mean, had canceled cycles yeah but they wouldn't read my chart before I'd go in or they would call me and be like yeah I'm sorry you know the my nurse did this I'm sorry but honey the pregnancy test was negative but you know what it's it's good because you've got loads of embryos left and I said no we have no embryos left but thank you to be fair to them 
your patient file was so large, I'd be intimidated about reading it. It was pretty thick. Thick. But that's no excuse. You should read people's charts. I mean, you're getting paid to do it. But we're getting off on a tangent. So my point in saying this is that they have something in place that works. And if you present as a patient that has unexplained infertility mm-hmm. and no obvious signs of risk that it's not going to work, they're going to put you through to the next phase. Yeah, you've passed the test onto the next. Right. So they're going to just, it's kind of process of elimination, right? They're just going to see what works and what doesn't. And I'm trying to give you a really objective perspective about this. I don't want our experiences to like overshadow the information that I'm giving you. I don't want to seem negative negative or hostile. I'm just saying that this is pretty much how most clinics work. And mm-hmm. you might have a doctor who's really thorough and I've I've heard of some out there. But for the most part, I think people are put through the same kind of, they have like a certain protocol Protocol, that they put people through and things like that. So I'm really trying to be objective here and not negative. I think what you have to remember is healthcare in general is reactive. So there's nothing about healthcare that is proactive. It's reactive. Mostly, yeah. So with that said, are you ready to go to transfer? Okay, that's the first thing you should know when approaching an embryo transfer. What do I mean by that? Well, are there any indications in your medical history that the transfer may not work? Considering the medication that you're on, considering the protocol that they have you on, Is there anything that you can think of? Because, like I said, they're going to take a look at your medical history, but they're not going to scrutinize it unless there's something, like I said, obvious. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything in your medical history that's concerning you? Speak up if you do. Like, tell your doctor Mm -hmm. that you want to pay more attention to, say, that thyroid issue that you've been having for the past couple of years or the fact that you get sick really easily. Or that it's painful during sex. Right. Or that, that, that you commercial. have symptoms of endometriosis or, you know, things like that that you want to say, hang on a second, let's take a minute, are we doing everything? And mm-hmm. if the answer is yes, then go for it. I'm one of the most impatient people that I know. And actually, I wouldn't say that is true so much anymore. I think I've really learned the lesson of patience. Wouldn't you say a little bit? You are better. Not when it comes to food, of course. Or or anything. I think when you speak about patience, you think about people who are accepting of the fact that they're not getting something they need or want right now. You are and will never be accepting of waiting for things, right? You don't enjoy the wait. Well... Okay, so I'm a very productive person, I think. And so if I order something online for pickup, I want to pick it up that day. Mm -hmm. Just because it's not that I'm like, oh, you know, impatient, like I have to have it. It's just that I've ordered it and now I want to pick it up (laughs) because I want to use it. Yeah. You know, like I want to move on. Yeah. With infertility, of course, it's all about waiting. And I think that 
at this point where we are now, there's a lot that I'm excited about. I would say I'm really excited about the next chapter for us, but I'm not impatient to get there. I think the anticipation is fun. Yeah, no, 100%. At this point, of course. I, Um, I could use an example of my mom. When she knows we're coming to England... She is so excited yeah. for the build-up. She counts down every day. It's like Christmas. It's like Christmas. Yeah. Exactly like that. However, if we were to just show up in England as a surprise for my mum, I think she'd be disappointed about that. <laughs> she wants to enjoy that build-up. Yeah, she does like the build-up. So, yeah, I was really impatient. And going through fertility treatments, I was definitely really impatient because I wanted to get on to the next thing. I didn't want to wait around and, you know, okay, we had a failed transfer. Let's move on to the next one. But I really do wish that I would have been more insistent sooner about the endometriosis. Yeah, but we that's the, the issue though, isn't it? When someone's telling you that endometriosis isn't an issue... You're not going to push it, are you? And then on the flip well, side, when of the that, doctor's telling you, especially that. when it's the doctor, your impatience was the reason we got with Doctor Braveman. So the fact that you were impatient and were looking for other things was I the just reason think we found that five failed transfers was too many. Like that was oh, well, one's too many. One is too many, but then losing all three of the embryos we had the first round, I just. To me, that fifth one was just, that was it for me. I wasn't going to do it anymore. And I think that if you have a limited amount of embryos to begin with, like we had three, that's not a lot. That's not a lot to learn from, you know? No. The You lose the first one. Well, in the WTF appointments, they can't really tell you why it didn't work. Nobody ever has an answer yeah. for why it didn't work. Unless they do like a miscarriage panel and then it helps, Well, right? that's true, but they wouldn't do that for me. But if you don't have a lot of embryos to learn from, you lose the first one, you don't learn from any, you don't learn anything. Mm-hmm. You lose, lose the second one, you don't learn anything. So by the third one, that's your last chance. And it's not like you can really learn anything at that point anyway. No. So, all of that to say, are you ready? If you feel like you're ready, and your doctor says you're ready, let's talk about the actual things that everybody's doing to prepare for transfer. Now, I first want to preface this by saying that most of what I'm going to talk about is like not proven at all to help the transfer become successful. But there may or may not be some truths to these things, so just proceed with caution in buying into this list. It's like old wives' tales and yeah, things like that, kind right? kind of. I always wanted to do everything I could just because infertility, there's no control over anything. So I wanted to feel like I was doing everything that I could to maybe help make it successful. Yeah. And I think that running out to get your pineapple a couple days before transfer just adds to the excitement of transfer. Or eating your McDonald's fries yeah. afterwards. And just like getting your pineapple all cut up and ready. I think it just adds to it. So, you know, no harm, no foul. I agree. So the first thing 
is food and beverages. So people talk about um, Brazil nuts. Shot of vodka. <laughs> no, that's not on the list. Uh, stick to the list. Um, so Brazil nuts, they say to eat three to four of these before and after transfer because they're high in selenium. Now that's an anticoagulant, so it's good for blood flow, which is going to be a theme that you'll see in all of these things. Pomegranate juice, it is really high in antioxidants. It's supposed to be good for the lining, but it's also really high in sugar. Oh, it's so, so nice, though. Be really careful. I've seen people post pictures of their literal full, like, pint glass of pomegranate juice. Wow. And that's just a lot of sugar. Way too much. Um, so it is good for you in some senses, but I would not recommend drinking too much of it at one time. Anything that tastes that good cannot be good for you. You know, I've heard a lot of people don't like the flavor. Really? Yeah. It is. It's a dry flavor. Yeah. But it's it's just nice. Someone oh. said it tasted like feet. Why are they sucking on feet? <laughs> the next one I didn't pr- like the flavor of, and that's beet juice. Ugh, Dwight Schrute beet juice. Yeah. Yeah. So this is supposed to help thicken the lining. It never worked for me, but I drank a lot of it. I mean, you had endometriosis as well. <laughs> yeah. But grain of salt. Um, Foods that are really high in iron, so spinach, lentils, beef, pumpkin seeds, and beets. So beet juice. More beets. Yeah. And these are high in iron. Um, Iron deficiency can lead to miscarriage, and that actually is proven. So that is something to consider. Uh, Eating good fats, so avocados whole milk, etc. If you have endometriosis like I do, I would stay away from dairy just because it causes inflammation. And a lot of the things that people say to eat during the lead up and aftermath of transfer has anti-inflammatory properties. Mm -hmm. And so that's huge when you've just had a transfer. You do not want to cause inflammation. So if you do have endometriosis, stay away from dairy. But most doctors usually recommend full-fat dairy for pregnancy. And you want to treat a transfer like you're pregnant because you are. When it comes to food, I've been on both ends of the spectrum. I've been really super healthy and clean and organic. And for other transfers, I ate Chick-fil-A every day. And the result was the same. They all failed. So that's just my story. That's not going to be your story. But just don't go overboard with anything. Also, there's some supplements that people say to take. I recommend just a really, really good prenatal vitamin. Uh, I take My Kind Organics, and I have for many years, and it's my favorite. It's got all of the daily doses of everything you need. It's also plant-based, no nothing synthetic. So it's really gentle on your stomach. And if you don't eat a lot in the morning like me, it will not make you sick um, like most vitamins do. If you've already gone out to Costco 
and bought a year's worth supply of prenatal vitamins and you already have them. Just make sure they have the recommended amount of everything for pregnancy, so like the folate or folic acid, the iron, the calcium, the vitamin D. Vitamin D is actually really important because a lot of women have vitamin D deficiencies and we just don't think about stuff like that. I actually... Most people have vitamin D. Most people do, yeah. And I, I did... Um, when all my immune blood work came back, I had that. So really a prenatal is designed to have everything you need for pregnancy. So just make sure it has really good amounts of everything. And like I said, if you've already got a lot of prenatal vitamins and you don't want to throw them away or switch brands at this point, um, you can always supplement with supplements. <laughs> Just be careful though. Yeah, be careful to not overdose because I almost did that once. What was it? What were you taking too much of? I think it was calcium and vitamin D. Yeah, it was calcium, the yeah. one that you were like way over on. Just look at the recommended amounts and you'll be able to find maybe, you know, tablets that you can break in half and just kind of supplement to get the amounts that you need per day. Another supplement that's really important is fish oil. That's going to be super important. Important. <laughs> important. <laughs> it's important. See? See? Stop the presses. <laughs> See? It's really important for pregnancy. Some people swear by DHEA, although I think it's more important in egg retrieval than transfer prep so I wouldn't really it made me feel sick so I didn't take it and my doctor said not to take it so Eh. another supplement is L-arginine this is an all-natural supplement that increases blood flow of course very important for after a transfer or leading up to a transfer when you're trying to plump up that lining Um, some other things that I hear people going on about acupuncture. I tried this and I didn't like it. I liked the first session because it was with this one woman and when she was sticking the needles in, I couldn't feel them going in. And then she was just too far away from where I live and I didn't want to drive. 30 minutes to get acupuncture and be relaxed and then have to drive 30 minutes home. When you said she was too far away, I thought you meant when she was putting the needles in. Like she was doing it from range. Yeah, like yeah. I thought that sounds painful. That's not what I meant. I then I went to this lady who actually lives really well, her practice is really close to where we live. And she would jab, she would like stick them in and then jab them in even further. And it would make me jump. And it just, it was not relaxing. I didn't feel like it did anything. A lot of people swear by acupuncture. So go for it. Try it. See if you like it. If you like it, it relaxes you. You think it makes a difference, then what's the harm in it? So fertility massages are a thing. And I'd never had one before, but it, like, it's called a myofascial massage. And it's like a, it releases tension in your connective tissues. So, I don't know, I guess that's good for blood flow? I don't know. I don't know the reasoning behind it. But 
hey, it's a massage. Or a regular massage. Yeah, I would just go with a regular yeah. massage. Because I think myofacial massages can be painful sometimes because they use really firm pressure. But that's you, just what You I, like solid massages. I do, like. but I don't want someone pushing on my ute that hard. Your ute. My ute. I always took to regular massages because they relaxed me. They made me feel less anxious about my transfer coming up. Um, progesterone and oil injections. Now, this is a must. Or is it? Because I had a friend who was gearing up for a transfer. And turns out she was doing the vaginal suppositories. I was doing the shots. So you could have just chucked something up your hoo-ha rather and than a needle. I, we went to the same clinic. So I was just like, what the heck? It's Not probably fair. cheaper as well. Yeah, it probably is cheaper. And less painful. Anyways, my tips about progesterone and oil are pretty simple. I did my injections myself. And I would go get my ice pack and wrap it in a tea towel. And I would stick it in my pants, whichever side of the bum I was doing. It was really more the love handle than the bum. But when you've got a big square hiney like I do, it's all the same. (laughs) I'm literally Spongebob square pants. Yeah, I am. But I would stick it in my pantaloons. And I would get my injection ready while my bum was being iced. And then I would stick my needle or my syringe in my bra to get warm. Like between my pit, like in my pit bra area. Don't microwave it. No. A lot of people like get heating pads and put them on a heating pad. But you don't want it hot. No. You want it just like warm so it'll slide in a little bit easier. Sometimes I would start doing my makeup, but most of the time I was really in a hurry. And so I would really just end up icing my bum for like two minutes. And then I would like kind of scratch my skin. And if I could feel it, I would ice it a little bit more. But most of the time that was enough. So then you just jab it in and inject a little bit slowly, and then rub it really good afterwards. Always put a plaster on. Always. And I would always wipe the injection site because sometimes the oil would leak out or sometimes it would bleed a little bit. But I always put a band-aid on because when you don't put a band-aid on and you think, oh, it's not going to bleed, and then you have like these red dots on your clothes later. So just always put a band-aid on. So... Ultimately, my tips for preparing for transfer, um, besides everything that we talked about, some of the silly things, some of the not silly things, the first thing is just document this time in your life. I am so glad I did, even though it's really hard sometimes to look back at all the photos and the videos from all of our failed transfers. I'm really glad that I documented that. I don't regret being excited about those things and hoping for the future. I think it's empowering to see everything that you went through. And someday our kids will want to see that and we'll want to share that with them. 
And especially for transfer works. <laughs> I mean, what if it works? Yeah. You will really have wished mm-hmm. that you documented, right? Yeah. The second thing is I would take time off of work if you can. Maybe just the day after. You'll definitely need to take the rest of the day off for transfer. But maybe take the day after if you can. I see some clinics recommending like 48 hours of bed rest. Our clinic recommended 12 hours. Yeah. And they just said, you know, just get back to normal activity the next day. And that's not really why I'm saying to take time off because of resting. It's actually good for you to get up and walk around and be active and just no strenuous exercise. I just said to take off a little bit of time so that you can relax, you know, and not stress and feel peaceful and enjoy the fact that you're poo or paps or whatever. What's paps? Pregnant and staying pregnant. Pasps. Why can't I say that? Pasp. 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 Okay. I said it. Already struggled with <laughs> Uh, the next thing is clean the house and change the sheets. Now, there's nothing better than clean sheets. I disagree. What's better than clean sheets? Um, a fresh chicken shish kebab with garlic sauce and chili sauce and then chips with cheese and garlic sauce on them. Lose the garlic sauce and I'm in. You got a deal. There's something to be said for just like a clean environment. And when you come home from your transfer, you're going to want to slip into the sheets and watch Netflix. And there's just something about clean sheets, having a clean bathroom to pee in, not having to worry about, oh, I got to, you know, finish the laundry or I've got to vacuum or anything like that just have everything done before your transfer and it'll be great it'll be nice and peaceful for you Mm -hmm. the next thing is if you have plans go ahead and cancel those plans i'm talking about the couple days after transfer after that then fill up your schedule because that's your two-week wait and you don't want to be sitting around checking instagram and beating yourself up about oh well she had cramping and yeah, i don't that's what you and, want to avoid is yeah, a symptom check stay off instagram that's yeah. another tip of mine or Every, all social media yeah like, everybody is different it. yeah so where one person's gonna have cramping and spotting and they get pregnant another person's gonna have cramping and spotting and that's a bad thing mm-hmm I mean, my my doctor told me cramping was a bad thing. Well, when I ended up getting pregnant, I cramped the whole time. And throughout my pregnancy, I've had like dull cramping. So everybody's body is different. Mm -hmm. And when you get on Instagram during your two-week wait, it's an unconscious comparison. And you don't need it. You don't need it. You don't need it, love. Move on. So the last thing, you're either going to get pregnant or you're not. I don't mean to sound harsh, but the reality is, apart from being destructive to your body, like smoking, heavy drinking, crack, crack, 
Stabbing yourself in the uterus. Um, choosing to do an assault course. Jumping off a building. Um, getting, uh, uh, I can't think of any other destructive yeah, just things. anything that's destructive. Oh, boxing. Okay, boxing. Aside from all that, nothing you do is going to make your transfer not work. Mm-hmm. And nothing that you do is going to make your transfer work. Yep. Of course, aside from taking the medication that you're supposed to be on. Okay? So just know that you're doing everything that you need to be doing. And you're doing everything that you can to make it a success. The drugs that you're on, those are preparing your body in the ways that it needs to be prepared. And that sweet little embryo is either going to snuggle in or it's going to go to heaven where all of mine are. Just living it up. Yeah, I think embryos go to heaven. It's a pretty deep conversation. I think they do. One I'd like to avoid. I think they do. Who am I kidding? Of course they're there. They're up there eating McDonald's, kids' meals, Happy Meals. (laughs) And pineapples. And pineapples. (laughs) And watching over us. Now, after transfer, there's just a couple of things that people do the pineapple core speaking of pineapples um we know the pineapple core contains the highest concentration of the bromelain and it's meant to decrease inflammation in the body again the anti-inflammatory theme comes into play now this next one's pretty silly mcdonald's fries listen i've done it Mm -hmm. i've done it we have done it pretty much every time (laughs) after transfer almost every time yeah we actually didn't do it maybe the last time. I feel like it was Chick-fil-A fries instead. That I've... was when I was heading to Seattle straight after, right? Mm. And I oh, had to yeah. leave you, so I don't know what you ate. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea where this has come from. Really, eating salty foods and drinking Gatorade and things like that are really more for after egg retrieval mm-hmm. because it helps with ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome and that can be dangerous, but somehow it became a transfer thing, so, but hey, fries are good. Oh, especially McDonald's fries. So, get them. Eat them. Put them in your mouth. Yeah. After transfer, keep eating healthy. Most people say warm foods, warm socks, and again, you know, this may or may not be true. Your core temperature will actually pretty much stay the same unless you go into a furnace furnace or antarctica yeah without protection or the deep deep south pole (laughs) so don't worry about that um i know i would wake up sometimes and i'd kicked my socks off and i'd scramble to (laughs) find my socks in the bed sheets and put them back on as if that was gonna make the transfer work but hey if if it helps you if it helps your brain and you feel like you're somewhat in control of the situation, then do it. Do whatever helps. Crack on. Crack on. Whack on. Not whack on. Oh, that's whack what on. what does that mean? Crack on just means carry rude? on. It sounded it. Oh. Anyway. Whack on. <laughs> Ultimately, here are my last words about embryo transfers. Okay. Just do everything in moderation, right? In balance. If you want to have 
fast food, have it. If you want to have a salad, have it. If you want to have a milkshake, have it. Just don't beat yourself up about doing every single thing right. If you don't like the taste of beet juice like I didn't, don't drink it. I drank it and I didn't enjoy it. You don't have to do anything except take your medicine. Now let's talk about what men need to eat and drink. Anything. Pretty much anything. What a jerk. Yeah. Um, but If you weren't so far away, I would roundhouse kick you right now. You couldn't get your leg up that high. You couldn't. Uh, but seriously though, just as a guy or as a partner, just make sure you're doing the runs for the food, you know? Go get that stuff. Yeah. Daniel is a really good food fetcher. Yeah, food really servant. Good. Food servant, yeah. Yeah, really good. I would be up in bed, and I would text him my order, and he'd be out the door. I'd just hear the door go closed. Boom. Got to really, get that food. Really, really great. Um, but like I said before, the fate of your embryo has already been decided. Do not stress out about what you're doing or what you're not doing. I agree. So next week we'll get into the other stuff about um, PGS testing, frozen and fresh transfers. So if you're interested in that, hang around for the next week. Hang around, yo. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Candace. And I'm Daniel. Nanai. Nanai.